You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. This is your show, Twitter Tuesday, your questions. After we get to some breaking news going on in the NFL and really a, a bummer of some news for Cam Akers and the Los Angeles Rams, this episode is brought to you in part by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL is where you can find us and get those questions in for any Twitter Tuesday or any other episode. Sometimes those uh, tweets and questions and topic ideas spur entire podcasts. So always love hearing from you at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. Matt, the big news today comes out of Los Angeles and in some workout somewhere over the course of the last few days. I mean, everyone's favorite, one one of my favorite breakout candidates in the entire NFL, Cam Akers, second-year running back, torn Achilles, and is now done for the season for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, gets hurt, you know, not with the team, working out on his own. I always hate those situations. I mean, I was so high on him this year. Like, I was, if I would the seventh or eighth pick in my fantasy draft, Cam Akers was going to be my target. I mean, I think he was set up to have a massive season, foundation of that running game, the girly roll, short yardage, throw him a lot of checkdowns and screens and design, you know, running back receptions. Um, I guess a good way of looking at it is, well, there's still time. It's better than if it happened week one. You know, you could just get on the phone and maybe make a trade or whatever. Uh, Daryl Henderson, to me, sets up now to have a pretty productive season, but I don't know that he can handle, you know, a full-time workload. I think he's a a part-time player, but obviously things look pretty much more promising for his outlook. But this is a big blow because the Rams, as everyone knows, actually we brought this up just the other day. They've been like the healthiest team in the league over the last five years or so, and it was a little shocking that they've been so healthy. Is is that going back to the mean? And they are not a team known for their depth. You know, I mean, they are a, a star-laden team. So this is a big deal. I mean, it's the first one of probably several coming up around the league. Yeah, we'll see what kind of transactions the Rams make. They have to add at least somebody at running back, even if they want Daryl Henderson to be that RB1. And uh, our guy from the network, Sosa Kermenges, the host of Locked on Rams, said that Daryl Henderson absolutely vaults into running back one territory. And he thinks that um, basically that really opens the door for Henderson to have a breakout year instead of, Cam Akers being the guy that has the breakout year. When you look at their stats from last year, actually, I was surprised a little bit. They were within one yard of each other. Cam Akers had 625 yards rushing. Henderson had 624 yards rushing. And Henderson actually bested Cam Akers just slightly in yards per attempt, 4.5 to 4.3. So what are your thoughts on Henderson just as a as a, as a a potential breakout candidate now that Cam Akers is done for the year if Daryl Henderson get, did get three down work. He is an explosive player, even though maybe slightly disappointed from what expectations were when he was drafted by the Rams. And, and there were some similar expectations that we saw from Cam Akers just a couple of years ago with Daryl Henderson. What are your thoughts on Henderson? Could, could he be a league winning type of player for maybe somebody that, that snagged him in the 10th round in their fantasy draft a few weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, in terms of fantasy, I would think he's now a second rounder. Does that sound crazy? I mean, 
would you take him? I'd take him over like the Josh Jacobs of the world. I mean, would you take him over Clyde Edwards Alaire? That might be a little rich, maybe second, third round turn neighborhood, something like that. Uh, the explosiveness you mentioned really stands out. You know, you're going to play a lot of warm weather games with Stafford there and Atwell and Deshaun Jackson. They're already having more dedicated to the long ball, which I think will get people out of the, out of the box and open up some space for him. And I think he's more of a space back than acres is. Uh, I still think you'd look to add somebody with a little more beef on their frame you know, to, to at least lighten his load. But I do like Henderson. The, the immediate, my immediate thought when I heard the news was, I'd call Denver about Melvin Gordon. Ooh, Denver and Melvin Gordon's a good one. I've seen the name James Robinson thrown out there, the undrafted free agent last year by the Jaguars, and the Jags just drafted they a first-round running back in Travis Etienne. If they trade tra- James Robinson, I hope they wait until after I draft Travis Etienne in all my fantasy leagues because he's definitely one of my targets. <laughs> and by the way, we will throw that idea by Tony Wiggins on tomorrow's show, the host of Locked on Jaguars. We're going to talk about the Jags and the new regime there, the new quarterback there. Uh, maybe the running back situation could still be a shakeup, but the Rams absolutely have to do something. Melvin Gordon is a really good one. Just You look at those teams that drafted running backs, and they have a veteran already on, already on the roster that they could turn a profit with. So uh, I would be all about that if I'm the Rams, which is why I would sort of slow my roll with Henderson right away. If your draft is today, don't draft him too high, but if you can get them in the fourth round or something like that, then that would make some sense. But the Rams could still add some some players. And there's still free agents out there like Adrian Peterson. Maybe not yeah, the best yeah. scheme fit, but, I mean, you know, that could steal a ton of early down work away from someone like Daryl Henderson. Uh, I think Duke Johnson's name has been thrown out there. Uh, let's see. Chris Thompson was with McVay in Washington. Oh, you know? yeah. So there, there, there's definitely some names and some options for the Rams here to replace. And, and really, there's never a good time for this to happen, but at least it didn't happen after the season started. Yeah, I mean, at least there's time now to prepare for it. Camp hasn't even opened yet. It's just a bummer for Akers because I really thought he was set up for a huge year, and hopefully he's the same player a year from now. I mean, this could be a a big one. Who knows? And Cam Akers has been dinged up back to college, back to his rookie season last year. So essentially now Cam Akers is going to have that continuously throughout the next, you know, portion of his NFL career, even if he comes back healthy next year, can you trust him? And so, like, when, when you look at fantasy drafts, you'd be like, oh, Cam Akers, you know, the Rams drafting another running back again. Uh, so that's, and with running backs, it can go south very quickly when it comes to health. The attrition level is just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Hope it's not the beginning of the end for him. Right. I know you're really, really promising career. Let's jump into the next bit of news here. Melvin Ingram has signed a one-year deal with your Pittsburgh Steelers. Matt, you will be camping with the Steelers, although they're not going to Latrobe, PA. You'll be camping with them starting uh, t- today? Thursday is when things open. You know, So it, we're going to start doing shows Tuesday. It will be like our regular programming. But by then, camp will be rolling along pretty good. So, yeah, their first Hall of Fame games right around the corner. Um, I like this pickup a lot. I mean, it, it, I have not seen the contract details, but you know, here, here's the uh, – I was kind of get, roll, get rolling here. First of all, they drafted Alex Highsmith last year from a tiny school with the intentions of he was going to redshirt, special teams, um, knowing that they weren't going to re-sign Bud Dupree at the end of the year, and then that he could be the potential successor. Well, then Bud gets hurt late in the season – 
Highsmith gets thrust into action because they didn't have a lot of depth. It, Highsmith played quite well. So uh, by no means is this a, a slight on Highsmith. They look at him as a starter, as a building block player, but there was no depth behind them. And even as great as TJ Watt is, he pulls himself out of games a fair amount. You know, I mean, he, he plays really hard. He comes over, gets a breather. They really needed a third guy. And my take on Ingram is, well, he's over 30. You know, that's not great. He's coming off an injury-shortened season, um, and that's the second year in a row that he's gotten injured. And at his age, that's worrisome, and I think that's a reason he was still out there is had to pass physicals and all those things. But he, he also had zero sacks last year. But if you watch him, and I actually looked at like the pro football focus numbers, a lot of pressures. I mean, it, it shocked me that he had zero sacks because he's still in, in impactful um, over his career, he's bumped inside at times and rushed over guards and centers. I would imagine the Steelers would do that a little just to give Hayward and Tua a breather. But he's going to be a rotational player. And to me, I think I would rather have Ingram and a second-year Highsmith than rookie Highsmith and Bud from a year ago. So really, this team has led the league in sacks three years in a row, which is unheard of. And they might have a better pass rush now. So there's keeping a strength of strength. I'm absolutely with you, especially when you consider a big money contract for Dupree or getting Melvin right. Ingram on a one year. What looks like a Steelers Depot says this is a one year, four million dollar contract. That's maybe. about what I was guessing. Yeah. So that adds up. Yeah. But that's for, for what Melvin Ingram could give you one year contract. I mean, that's that's great for the Steelers. I love that for the Steelers. And he can be Robin to someone else's Batman, which is what Melvin Ingram probably should be and get a lot of one on ones in those pass rushing situations. So love this for the Steelers. And I'm looking around at other teams around the leagues like, man, you did you not want to give up a one year, you know, four point one million dollar contract for Melvin Ingram? Because I think that's a pretty right, good right. price for what he he could potentially give you yeah or a two-year nine million dollar deal or you right. know what i mean with a little bit more of a bonus or i mean yeah especially in a rotation but i would imagine there's there were some other suitors i think he visited kansas city and miami at some point that was earlier in the process maybe he wasn't quite as healthy or couldn't quite pass the physicals and i don't know 31 or 32 years old i'd like to be part of a rotation and not be counted on for 100 percent of the snaps it's a good situation for him too so Good defense, great pass rush. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense. And if I'm Justin Houston, I'm out there going, hey, uh, I mean, uh, I, I would think people start calling him with the same idea. Yep, it's it's that time. The, the week before camp, we're going to see some late signings right before training camp. So maybe Melvin Ingram is the first domino to fall there, and we'll see what happens with the Rams at running back as well. But now it's time to open up that Twitter Tuesday mailbag. Let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, information, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, even all your UFC, MMA action. They got so much going on here. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. It's super easy. And check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams preps for their runs for the playoffs as well. Uh, head to the website and or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On, all one word, all caps, Locked On. That's 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's start this Twitter Tuesday off with Chris, who says, "Do you guys think the three high safety 
defenses are going to be become more prevalent. Tampa Bay used some of this in the Super Bowl. And is it a trend? And it is a trend in college. What do you think? Three safety defenses, Matt. Well, how I don't know how to quite answer this is he said three high safeties. Now, does he mean like a cover three shell with instead of uh, Earl Thomas, Ed Reed, free safety and two corners with just three safeties as making the umbrella? Or does he just mean three safeties on the field? Because I think that's what he means by this. And I think that's very prevalent. You know, mostly we're going to call that big nickel, you know, with three safeties on the field Mm -hmm. and two corners as opposed to the opposite, which is the the usual with a slot corner coming on the field and taking a nose tackle or a big heavy linebacker off the field, depending what you you know, how your, your defense is set up. But yeah, I mean, I think that's very much a trend that a lot of these guys that can play in the box that are versatile. I mean, Safety is really a vague term anymore. I mean, there's a single high types, like I just mentioned, the Earl Thomas prototype, Ed Reed. And then you have the the old school strongs, but they're almost linebackers now, you know, that are, they're they're really dime linebackers. But then you also have these Tyron Mathau, Buda Baker, cover the slot guys. And it's just all about positionless football and versatility and a lot of these guys with the the S, the safety next to their name, can do a lot of different things. And you want as many of those guys on the field as possible. I mean, someone that can guard Christian McCaffrey, Evan Ingram, you know, just matchup type guys that are really good receivers that aren't typical players for their offensive position. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you see a lot of three safety alignments in the league, and it's only going to increase, in my opinion. Right. If the question was cover three, it's actually the league's going away from that a little bit more. And yeah, the strict yeah. cover three defenses is just pretty hard. So we're seeing more cover four than cover three. And there's actually a really good podcast done by some folks that are smarter than me that, that really dive into the X's and O's of this on the uh, Athletic NFL show. Shout out to them. It was Nate Tice and uh, Deontay of um, Deontay Johnson yeah P- Dante, Dante uh, Johnson, I think of PFF right and, and they did a really good episode talking about the trends and what's going on here and essentially teams are trying to find a way to have personnel on the field that can cover like it's a sub package but still stop the run like it's base and so that's what we're seeing a lot of and the three high the three safety look can help you do that because you can start off in a, in a cover three or a cover four. You can, you can start off in a cover four shell, drop one of those safeties down. Now it's cover three and, and it changes things late and you have an extra player now in the box if you want, uh, or you can really cover things over the top. So um, the league is definitely changing and defenses are, you know, trying to defend what offenses are doing, which is throwing the ball a lot more and throwing the ball a lot more on first down and taking bigger shots on first down. So you've got to be able to cover that and still be able to stop the run at the same time. So that's why we're seeing more hybrid defenders. So absolutely three safety looks, more cover four stuff, um, just to... You can disguise your coverages better, yes, too. You yes. know, like, you know, uh, you know, a, a typical linebacker isn't going to end up in the, a deep half, you know, I mean, where... So you have a lot of defensive backs on the field, period, that are faster, better coverage people. Everyone un- understands that part. It, it's much harder, much easier to disguise your coverages. It's much harder to decipher it if you're a quarterback pre-snap. Dave says, can you do a dynasty rest of career draft for running backs like you did with wide receivers? Probably not 30, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we could we could do that sure. at some point. Actually, it might be really easy. Mine would be like, uh, don't worry about it. There is no <laughs> there is no rest of career for running backs, as we've seen 
well, today with the news from Cam Akers, I mean, it comes, it changes so fast, and, and that's why I always say, and I, and I'm, I'm sort of antagonistic about it when I say running, running backs don't matter. They still do matter, and it's nice to have a good running back, but um, it's just so hard to put a ton of resources in a running back because of the difference they make for your team. So essentially, if we were doing, if we were mixing up those rest of career running backs and wide receivers, it would still be the same list because I wouldn't start with any running backs until after those thirty wide receivers were already gone. Who would be your first pick, though? I mean, if you get one running back now for the rest of his life. It would be uh, one of the rookies, I'm sure. It'd be ATN or um, Najee, Najee or- Harris, probably, just because you have more time. And uh, I love Christian McCaffrey, but we've seen him get hurt. Saquon Barkley, there was actually news we should talk about Barkley, where he yeah. says he's not even ready. They're, they're Basically, they're like, yeah, don't, don't count him in for week one just yet. So that's a little bit worrisome, a little bit scary there for Saquon Barkley. But those are the youngest, most studly running backs in the league not that long ago. It just the, the, the window is so small. And unless you're just a cyborg like Adrian Peterson, it's really harder to project a rest of career and put a lot of stock into it. So, you know, someone that is really involved in the passing game. Um, if, if James Robinson was traded to the Rams tomorrow, I might take Travis Etienne number one, you know, it's one of those situations, even though he hasn't played mm-hmm. it down yet in the NFL. I'd still consider McCaffrey because he's so good as a receiver, yeah. but coming off an injury that doesn't bode super well like you can't consider Derrick Henry I mean um Dalvin Cookham is one of the best running backs in the league but I wouldn't trust him down the line and what's he gonna look like in two years you know this rookie running back class isn't great I mean there's three that stand out to me but they're not the most talented guys and they're not Saquon coming out of school and last year's class was deep or at least it was before Akers and but none of them to me are superstars. I mean, I like Taylor. I like Dobbins. You know. Yeah, I mean, you could Swiss. absolutely, and you could have made the argument for Cam Akers to be number one yesterday. Yeah. You could make the argument for J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor absolutely to be the number one in, in a in a ranking like that as well. So yeah, um, yeah, just but that'll blow your it. doors off. Right, exactly. So that's the state yeah. of running backs right now in the NFL, and it's trending in the and not in the in the direction of running backs becoming more valuable either. So if if I'm building a roster. Bunch of undrafted free agents, bunch of day three picks at running back, and a bunch of rookie contracts. I'm not trying to pay a free agent, uh, and I'm not trying to spend high draft picks on players just because it's too common with what we've seen with with Cam Akers. Just another lesson, and and I don't think the difference between I don't think the difference. I didn't mean to go in this direction on this podcast. I don't think the the difference between Christian McCaffrey and whatever your league average running back is is a huge difference. It's fun in fantasy, and it's more fun to watch Christian McCaffrey, but it's not a huge difference in wins and losses for an NFL team, in my opinion. I know the stats bear that out, and I'm mostly a believer in it as well. But let's say it's David Montgomery. Can we agree that he's an average starting running back? He's yeah. not bad. He's not great. Yeah, I like it. Uh, the, the reason I would say the difference is, though, is – just what we were talking about with those safeties is the mismatches in the passing game. Montgomery's a good receiver. He's not a great receiver. He's a good receiver. He's a good back. But McCaffrey, Kamara are mismatches in the passing game. It, it, and that's where the difference comes from is in the yes, passing game. Right, right. So if you're talking that's about something I might pay for. Right. So if you're talking about the difference in the passing game, then we're almost not even talking about a running back anymore. You know, right, so, right, right, right. Exactly. It's that anyway um but thank you for the question it, it, it is a good conversation and it would be fun to kind of go through those and just do a quick one even just one segment's worth of doing a top 10 and really put our stamp on some of those names that are all really tight together trying to decide okay which rest of career would you rather have would you rather have 
Alvin Kamara, who's you know four or five years older than ATN, who could be on a similar career path if they're really going to use him in Jacksonville as a receiver that much. And we'll find out more on that tomorrow with Tony Wiggins. Let's finish up this. Lastly, though, oh sure, even even Najee is old. I mean, he came out a year older than people might realize. I mean, I I mean, I bet the Steelers would kill for him to have a really good four years, pick up the fifth year option, maybe franchise him. Done. You know, I mean, that would be a highly successful first round pick as running backs go. That's the thing. When you're talking about when you're talking about C.D. Lamb, you're like, ooh, what's he going to be in 10 years when he's in his early 30s? When you're talking about Najee Harris and Najee Harris is like, oh, awesome. Let's draft him on our fantasy team. He might be a three down back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But by year four, will he be ground into a fine powder? Right. Because they're going to that's exactly what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to grind him like no one's business. And maybe you don't even pick up the fifth-year option at that point or even get to the franchise tag after that. And I can't think of a recent second contract for a running back that turned out well, like one of those big-money second-year contracts for you know the, the Todd Gurley's. Even Chris McCaffrey got hurt immediately after he signed his contract. Yeah. Zeke Elliott, that looks like a terrible contract now. Is, has, is there, has there been a good one? I think the jury's still, I mean, to look at it glass half full, I think the jury's still out on this latest crop. McCaffrey, Cook, Mixon, Elliott sure doesn't look good. Kamara, but they all look like they're, I mean, they're all high, still fantasy picks, you know what I mean? But, I mean, I don't know that any of those teams would be happy about it when it's all said and done or if they were good moves, but they are, you know, I'm not sure we can just say they're all terrible contracts yet, but I'm leaning towards in the end they will be. Right, and I'm not a capologist, and I don't know the details on all of those contracts, but I'm guessing there's some outs in there, and and not many of those running backs will see the end of those contracts. You're probably right. Right. Let's finish the up. The girly this. one's worse. Yeah, the girly one is crazy. I mean, that's and just it, yeah. That was a year early too. They and, didn't have to do it. And he was injured coming out of school, and it was it was almost. <laughs> right, I mean, he was super right, talented, right. but it was still a little bit surprising uh, the way he. Um, the, the how high he was drafted, even though he was super talented, just because of the injury history and the running back position. Well, do you think the Rams would call Todd Gurley? I don't. Would Todd Gurley answer the phone? Maybe is a better question. <laughs> yeah. With the way he was treated on the way out, maybe. And I, you know, and, and perfect. Well, yeah, because I think didn't wasn't there a dispute too with that contract where he had to try to go at him so. for more money yeah. that they didn't want to pay him or something? So ugh, yeah. Probably not going to get remarried then. Yeah, to walk in as a backup, although he's on the street, so it's better than not having a job at all. Right, right. Maybe like Gordon goes to the to the Rams and the Broncos call Gurley. There you something go. Like that, okay, you know? yeah, that's the shuffle. I can see that happening for sure. All right, good stuff. Let's finish up this Twitter Tuesday next. However in-depth with repairs you can and would like to get at home with your vehicle, rockauto.com allows you to do so or just the staples the things that everybody needs jumper cables do you not have jumper cables in your car go get some at rockauto.com engine parts brake parts oil whatever you need rockauto.com has it and they have reliably low prices such an amazing selection go to rockauto.com you will be blown away by the selection they have on any vehicle you could imagine I'm scrolling rockauto.com. It goes all the way down to 1909 Model Ts. Yes, they have parts for that. It's crazy. 
So fix up that old car, keep your new car running smooth. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. To our good friend Joshua, who is frequently tweeting into the program with great questions, he says, who are your top five GMs in the league, and how would you rank the GMs in the AFC East besides Belichick? So take Belichick, and he's obviously the top of the pyramid there with the Patriots. Let's start there. AFC East. I'll take Joe Douglas. I love what Joe Douglas has done the last two years since he's been Mm in charge. I do too. I I think he's going to be the hero that turns the Jets around down the line. I mean, I I think he's done a great job building two lines, especially the offensive line. Of course, he has to hit on Zach Wilson. That's the, the, the pitfall that everyone has is when you bite on the quarterback, you better hit. But I think he's really doing good things there. I'm absolutely on board there. Miami, I think they're building a really good program. But I feel like Flores deserves a lot more credit than the front office. Because, man, I mean, one year ago, they went on this Patriot-like spending spree. And all those guys are gone almost. You know, Van Noy and all these guys that they gave a lot of money to one free agency period ago when they had all this cap space, they did not do a good job of. I mean, I, I don't think that's a ringing endorsement. Um, Buffalo obviously is very strong. You know, they they were the slow burn, the slow build, very Carolina-like. You know, they they drafted Tremaine Edmonds to be their Keekly and Josh Allen to be their Cam Newton and built both sides really well over a long period of time. And then they pulled the trigger on Stefan Diggs, you know, as the final you know piece of the puzzle. Now they don't have a lot of needs. I mean, they realized their pass rush was their weakest area, so they draft two pass rushers in a row. I think they've done a really good job. As for Belichick, though, I think he's a good team builder in terms of let's bring Chris Long in at the end of his career and try to get him a ring and, you know, uh, Randy Moss trade, obviously, and Welker and things like that. But there's no way around it. He's been a very bad drafter lately. I mean, like one of the worst in the league, which is why they now have to do this spending spree. I think Bill the coach is much stronger than Bill the drafter, that's for sure. Right. And, and Bill, Bill the coach bails out Bill the drafter a lot. And even if you're counting Bill Belichick, uh, I think Brandon Bean in Buffalo and Joe Douglas, mm-hmm. you know, at least over the last couple of years, I would rank ahead of Belichick as just a strictly a GM. And yeah, you, you can't say anything bad about what Brandon Bean has done there. And you might have to put him at the top no matter what in that division. And Chris Greer hasn't done a terrible job, but still, you know, would come in underneath for me, Brandon Bean and Joe Douglas in the East top five GMs in the NFL though. I think Brandon beans probably in that conversation as well with what he's done recently, obviously. Um, I mean, amazing what Baltimore has been able to do to go from one of the all time great GMs yeah. and still keep that going. Right. I mean, that's been pretty amazing. Yeah. I definitely was going to mention Baltimore and I know Ozzy isn't there, but I think Ozzy is a hall of fame player and GM, which is amazing. Um, and has really laid the groundwork for the successors. I mean, so um, I think they're very much at the top of the list, and they they move the, they they handle the comp picks extremely well, and things like that. They were very competitive, even when a with a bad Flacco contract there, and they couldn't go out and do much. I'm going to sound like the biggest homer ever, but I think Kevin Colbert's a Hall of Famer. I mean, 
on average, this during Colbert's 20-ish years, the Steelers have had like the 25th pick in the draft. I mean, they, they're like the Patriots. They never pick early. I mean, like since Ben, really, they never picked early. And they're always competitive. I mean, I think Colbert, I also know him and have a lot of respect for him, is a Hall of Fame GM, and there aren't many of those. I mean, there's a lot of great ones around the league. You know, how we long, overlook hold on, that. Hold we, on a second, Matt. How long has Colbert been in charge in Pittsburgh? Well, there's, there's two, if you look at his bio, the first 10 years with the Steelers, he did not have the title of general manager, but he did that job. And strangely enough, <laughs> when you go to games as like a scout, a GM or whatever, if you're the GMs get the best seats, you know, if you visit the Brown stadium from a, near the opponent or, you know, you're, you're pre- uh, previewing a game or you're at LSU, Alabama, they give the GMs the best seats. So the only reason the Steelers made it official for him to be the GM is so he didn't have to sit with the peon scouts like me. You know, <laughs> So, you know, in title, he's been the GM, I think, 10 or 11 years, but he's been in charge for 20-ish. Wow. So all the way, so Roethlisberger, Polamalu, uh, David DeCastro, yeah. TJ Watt, the whole deal. So absolutely. Yeah, Cam yeah, you, you got on and on and on. They're all late picks, too. I mean, they. And so I think he's tremendous. And where I was going to go last, though, is just, Tampa is an easy one to say right now. They've built the best roster. We'll see if they can do it for a long stretch, you know, post Brady. And I think a little bit of that's true with the Chiefs too. Can you maintain it? You know, obviously not locking into Mahomes, but identifying Mahomes is really, really big here. But I think you have to mention Seattle and New Orleans, and you know, the I always give those coaches credit, but they work hand in hand with a really good GM. And, you know, that's not just a one-man show. Absolutely. And there's a ton of good GMs that would yeah. be in consideration here. Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, I think, it would be yeah. in my top five. Uh, definitely Mickey Loomis, what they've been able to do, how they maneuver the cap with the Saints and, and how many great players they brought in there would have to be in consideration. Brett Veach, obviously, uh, and he was the point guy. He wasn't G- named GM yet, but knowing how things went, with that draft that they took Patrick Mahomes, that was him. He was in charge of that. So I, I definitely give him credit for Patrick Mahomes. That was his deal going to get him. And so Brett Veach is a top five guy just for that alone. And what they've been able to do uh, in KC besides has been really good too. So a lot of great candidates for the top five. But yes. So, yeah. You um, can get the five really easy. Yes. <laughs> be very honest. Absolutely. But those um, I'm sure we're overlooking some. And I by no means think the Jones family is in the top five conversation. But go look at the Dallas drafts. They've drafted very, very well. They haven't been bad for what you'd expect for, you know, maybe an overzealous owner trying to be in charge. Like, you know, right, late, right. late career Al Davis wasn't great. The Jones family's done close a close to great. Yeah, they've done a pretty good job. The Jones family has. You're right. They have, especially in the draft. All right. We are. Uh, here's one that that. Josh was trying to sneak in here, and we'll finish with this one. It's going to be a short answer for me. He says, I tried to sneak this one in last week, but given Brian's fandom, uh, I got to try one more time. Do you believe the saying, quote, you are what your record says you are, which I believe was a Parcells No Parcells, yeah. yeah. He says, if so, is Kyle Shanahan at 31 and 36 the most overrated head coach in the NFL? Uh, and I think that's completely fair, Joshua, to answer your question. And he might be somewhat overrated as a head coach because what everyone says about Kyle Shanahan can be said about him as an offensive coordinator. So I think this is a huge year. And we've talked about how this is a massive year for Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, both and getting their quarterbacks and getting their new quarterbacks in their franchises. But 
Uh, I think you also have to look at context. They had they scrapped the roster completely in 2017. You know that was they started at scratch zero. So you know that record was going to be bad. They had historic injuries last year, so you know that's bad. Their quarterback was hurt. The other year they had a bad record when everybody was healthy and they had something built like they wanted. They went to the Super Bowl. So you have to look at the context too. So overall, as a head coach, as a team builder, where is Kyle Shanahan? Maybe overrated because of how good he is on offense as an offensive coordinator. So we'll find out this year, I think, a lot about the legacy of Kyle Shanahan. And if he found his quarterback and if he coaches up his young quarterback, I think we're going to start talking about him as, you know, not overrated at all as a head coach. But if that goes south, maybe he is overrated as a head coach because there's a lot more than just calling offensive plays for being a head coach in the NFL. He's certainly not overrated as an offensive mind. As a head coach, I think the jury's still out. Um, We don't have time, but I am not a believer in the Parcells saying, you are what your record is, end of story. However, I mean, that goes back to like our Pythagorean win uh, episode a little while back. I didn't tell you this, but after that, we did that. I reached out to Aaron Schatz, who I know pretty well, and said, you guys at Football Outsiders should go back at all the coaches and quarterbacks and see who has consistently beaten or been worse than their Pythagorean win totals year after year. And he thought it was a good idea. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to pop up on Football Outsiders any minute now, but he thought, wow, that's pretty smart. You know I mean? And there is something to Russell Wilson consistently being, you know, getting the W when the numbers say they yeah. shouldn't. Absolutely. See how sticky that is year to year with quarterbacks or head coaches and and beating the expected wins. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. And if he does, we got to have Aaron on the show if they do go through that. Absolutely. And uh, Mike Tanier, who's also now at Football Outsiders, was on our Steelers show yesterday. So those guys have been on the tour, pumping up their almanac, of course. Fantastic. Uh, that would be a fun conversation. We're getting close to going camping in the NFL. At least a couple teams will be getting started this week. Uh, fun stuff. We've got Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars tomorrow to talk about the new regime there and where they could be in the AFC South very soon. Thanks, everybody, for all the questions. Be back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.